1: Hey now, all. I'm Joey C. Welcome back to another episode of Spirit Sherpa. This is the show that helps and encourages you on your journey to unlock your magic mojo. With me, as always, is the spirit doctor, Kelly Sparta. Hey, Kelly.
0: Hey, Joey. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing very well. Thank you. Uh, we are talking about something today that I have absolutely no idea what it is. <laughs> I saw in the in the episode pipeline I'm like, "Oh, she wants to talk about the waking dream." I don't know what that is. Good. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what, you didn't go cheat and look it up?
1: <laughs> I no, I, normally I would do some prep, but I said no, I want to be I want to come into this one completely green. So, here we are and I'm asking you, "What the heck is the waking dream?"
0: Okay. So, in shamanic belief structure. We believe that we are dreamers and that whether we are awake or asleep, we are dreaming the dream. And therefore you are a figment of my dream. Okay. And I am a figment of your dream. And you and I both are a figment of the dreams of all the people who are listening to the podcast. Hi guys. So within our dreams, we are creating our reality. And so we are the ultimate creators of the dream, just like we create our dreams in our sleep. We create those dreams out of where we intersect energetically with the dream world and out of our experiences of the day, they get dumped into our dream processes and of our fears and our thoughts and our dreams and our hopes and all the stuff that is running around in our subconscious and our unconscious and the collective unconscious that builds into that. But we are experiencing life as a waking dream. Now, why do we care? Because, okay, great, wonderful, whatever. But when you take into account the fact that, that this is a waking dream, things become more interesting when you, <laughs> when you look at it this way. So I'll tell you the story of the first time I was exposed to this by my teacher. And it'll give you an idea of what I'm talking about. So when I was talking to her, I was telling her about these dreams I'd been having where I was being chased by the government. And, you know, my mother and I were on a, on a train. We were running trying to get away from the government agents who were trying to come and arrest us and take us to some black site. And then I was talking to her later in the day because we were. I was, she was my Reiki teacher and she was also a shaman. And later in the day, I was talking to her about, you know, oh yeah, on my way over here, people were tailgating me the whole way. I don't know what the problem was. I just felt like they wouldn't get off my tail, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, well, sure. She said, you're having the same dream in your waking life as you were having in your sleeping life. She said, it's your waking dream. And I was like, what? (laughs) Because it's like, "Oh yeah, somebody's chasing me. And that sense of being tailgated was feeling like you were being chased, right? Mm -hmm. And so... It was this revolution in my mind to recognize that and to say, ah, whatever's going on inside of me is also going on outside of me. That's what the waking dream is. So if you see someone in your life who is abrasive and rude and who is getting on your last nerve, that's because there's something inside of you that is abrasive and rude and getting on your last nerve. Now, it may be an aspect of yourself that is doing that, that that you are abrasive and rude and you don't like that about yourself, and so you get upset with the other person, or it could be that there is an issue that you need to deal with, that you're refusing to deal with, that is coming up inside of you and causing you angst and upset, and the person on the outside of you that you have magnetized to you to be part of this waking dream Mm -hmm. is representing that part of you on the inside. And so when you see the person on the outside, you go, ah, and you want to control them. But the answer isn't to control them. The answer is to look at what's on the inside that's causing you to magnetize this person. Joe Vitale tells a story about a process he calls Ho'oponopono that is the process of removing from yourself that which is a challenge in others. And the story he tells is of a a psychiatrist who came to a mental institution that he was working as the director of. And there were really hardcore cases of mental illness and a really unhappy staff and a really dysfunctional environment at this mental hospital. And he sat down with all of the staff files and he sat down with all of the patient files and he didn't meet with anyone. He just sat down in his office with each of the files and he looked at the files and he said, okay, where in me do these problems exist? And let me remove them within myself. And he spent weeks sitting and doing that work within himself. And over the course of the time, People became happier. Patients got well. The staff morale improved. The commitment to care improved. And ultimately, all of the people at the mental institution got better. And the institution closed because it was no longer needed. Now, whether that's a, an actual story or a metaphor, I don't know. I don't care. It's valid. Okay. This is what's true in the world. So when you have this experience you will have an experience in the outside world to reflect it back to you. And whatever experience is there will interact with you in, in whatever way is reflecting your inner world. So I, I tell the story of, of a homeless guy on the street. Homeless guy on the street is really pissed off. He's yelling at every person that walks by. And he's looking at every single person and he says, You're a terrible person. You should just go home and kill yourself. Person who's having a good day, thinks well of themselves, not having any challenges, is going to hear homeless guy say that to him and go, Wow, homeless guy's having a bad day. Must suck to be him. And he's going to keep walking and never think of the homeless guy again. This is not going to be relevant. It's going to be erased from his experience because it's not a reflection of his inner life. Person who's having a bad life, you know, having really a lot of problems, not sure that they should even be here, not sure that he's really even happy and thinks that he's a terrible person and, you know, that can't get any better and whatever else is going to hear the homeless guy say, you're a terrible person. You should go home and kill yourself. And he's going to take that as a sign from God. And he may in fact go home and kill himself because it has become part of his dream. That is a reflection of his inner life. He found the homeless person to tell him that. You know, and then whatever your variation in the middle is, if you're just having a bad day and and he says that to you, it might piss you off and cause you to bring up the anger that you needed to process. And there's any number of ways in which the outside world reflects us.
1: So from that perspective, it seems like the homeless guy just is. He is. He, He is, and he's doing what he's doing. And it's how we take in who and what he is. Yes, that is relevant,
0: and whether or not we interact with them at all exactly <laughs> right. Some people took a different road across the street or you know took, took a subway or you know whatever, and missed the homeless guy altogether, all right? right, so it just depends, but know for certain that what is outside of you is what is inside of you. whatever you are seeing outside of you is there for a reason it 's there because you 've called it to you, and so If you want it to be gone, you've got to root out the part of you that called it into being. If it's not bothering you, then it doesn't matter, right? But
1: what about that? If the person having the good day recognizes it, what does it represent within them at that point? Because they called it into their day, right?
0: Sure. Yeah, if they wake from their inner awareness to allow that into their beingness, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, sometimes you walk by a homeless guy on the street and he's yelling and you don't even register, right? Right. You know, it's just what it is. Right. Um, but if it comes into their awareness and they see it, then they may look inside of themselves and say, where am I screaming inside of myself and feeling that no one hears me? Where am I feeling unheard? Where am I feeling unsatisfied? Where am I angry?
1: And that's the important part then it sounds like is recognizing that what is without us is within us.
0: Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, you're going to say, well, there's a million, billion things that happen every day. That's true. Okay. There's a million, billion things that happen every day and we don't register all of them. In fact, we register very few of them. So the thing that allows us to register things is that we have a set of filters on our life, and with, on our awareness, and those filters are tuned to specific stories and specific experiences, and we filter out anything that doesn't fit that model. You know, to give you an example of how this works, think about the last time you decided to buy a new car, or where you thought about getting pregnant. Mm-hmm. Everywhere you looked was that new car that you wanted. And everywhere you looked were pregnant women. And it's because your awareness became tuned, your filters became tuned to those things because they were now relevant to you.
1: It's not that they weren't there before. It's just that you didn't recognize
0: them. Exactly. They've always been there. You just weren't paying attention. So the thing you have to recognize in this is that your filters are letting things in. Anything your filters let in is relevant to you.
1: So when we talk about the story that you told, um, that Joe Vitale told with regards to the psychiatrist working in the mental hospital, he brought in all of these folders. He recognized the things that he did not want that were bad in the space that he was in, and he removed them from himself. How Long does it take for somebody to sort of start to recognize what's coming through our filters and how long do we sit with each thing? It seems like that's a lot of work.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, it is, except that it's not. So here's the thing is that we have we have core stories that form our filters. And how long does it take to unwind a core story? It depends on how attached you are to it. Okay. How much of your identity is built around it, how much of the way in which you believe life should work is a reflection of it, you know, how willing you are to accept change in your life in general, all of those things go into the, into answering the question of how long it takes. You know, it can take a second. It could take 50 years. Yeah. It's all about how those things intertwine and how willing to change you are. So when we're dealing with things you can have a single belief that shows up in 16 different areas in your life. So when I said yes, it's a lot and no, it's not. It's like, well, yeah, those 16 areas it's it's a, it feels like a lot, but if it's one issue and you address the issue, all 16 go away. Right. So yes and. Right. <laughs> it, to give you an example. So a woman her boyfriend ignores her when she goes to work in the morning. She's a cashier at a at a store and the people in line at the store are rude and brusque to her and, or they don't pay any attention to her. Their faces are in their phones and they just, you know, put the cards in the machine, don't pay any attention to her at all, you know, move on. And she's, she's starting to have a really bad day. Right. Yeah. You know, she goes through her own checkout line to go, you know, she goes and buys something and the clerk doesn't even look up to pay attention to her at all. And, and she comes home and the dog doesn't even come and greet her at the door.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: and then you know she just starts to feel like she doesn't matter, like she's invisible. But she's always felt invisible, and she's always felt like she didn't matter. And she manifested those experiences because when you feel like you are important, and when you feel like you matter, people treat you that way. Okay, not always, but most of the time. I was at a workshop. One of my core aha moments in my life. I was at a workshop and I had been in tears over the course of the weekend, and I was staying an extra few days at the retreat center that the workshop had been held at, and so I had tried to find a private room, and I hadn't been able to get one, and so I ended up in the dorm space, and I snore. (laughs) I snore on the best (laughs) of days, and I snore really bad if I've been, you know, blowing my nose and crying a lot, and And so, you know, I took a spot that was sort of off to the side and away from everybody else, because I was trying to be kind. And, you know, I I went to sleep and this woman came and shook me and woke me up. And she said, you know, you're snoring really loudly and and we can't sleep. And I said, I'm really sorry. I said, I brought extra earplugs here. Would you like some? (laughs) And she said, no. And I said, okay, well, I said, "I'll, I'll drink some water and blow my nose and hopefully that'll help. And I you know, struggled to stay awake for 15 minutes or so to give him a chance to go to sleep. And then I went back to sleep. And some period of time later, she came and woke me up again and said, you're really snoring loudly and you're disruptive and you're going to have to go (laughs) 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 middle of the night. Right. And I looked at her and I said, no, this is common space. You agreed to sleep with others. And I have been more than reasonable. I am happy to give you some earplugs but I will not be moving. And if you are having a hard time sleeping, you can go. If you touch me again, I swear to God, I will break your hand. <laughs> and I rolled over and went back to sleep. So, you know, this was in a space of a, of a retreat center that's supposed to be a very loving, kind, welcoming space. Right? <laughs> this is my first experience of the retreat center because I'd been isolated in this, this, uh, this workshop I'd been doing for the first three days. And, um, So I go and some of the other people from the retreat center or from the, from the uh, retreat I'd been at, were also hanging out. And so we went and we got in the the sauna. There were three of us in the sauna and there was a fourth person who's one of the people who lives on site. And uh, she comes and opens the door and, and then closes the door again. Uh. (laughs) I'm like, okay, whatever. And we just keep talking. (laughs) And and, you know, like three minutes go by and she opens the door again. She goes, are you going to be long? And we're like, we're going to be a while. You're welcome to come and sit with us if you'd like. And she's like, no. She closes the door again. <laughs> Five minutes, you know, probably three minutes go by and she opens the door again. Aren't you done yet? We're like, no, you're welcome to join us if you'd like, but we're not going to leave just because you're being pissy. <laughs> right. <laughs> and and she comes in and she sits down and, and she starts telling us how much she hates having these workshops in her spaces and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> And eventually we get up and leave, you know, and, you know, we went into another place and had a similar experience there and, you know, people were pissy with us (laughs) and it was just like, wow, there's just like all this, this, you know, unwelcoming energy. Right. And, and I, I went to breakfast the next morning and uh, uh, got there just as my friends were finishing up and leaving and I'm sitting and, and my friends had been laughing and it's, it tends to be a quiet space And so people were giving nasty looks, and then my friends got up and left, and I was left alone with all the nasty looks, right? (laughs) And and I'm just sitting there eating my oatmeal going, oh, my God, I've never felt so unwelcome in my entire life. And then I went, no, I have felt exactly this unwelcome my entire life. (laughs) Wow. It was this aha moment where I got it. And the tears just started to roll down my cheeks, and I looked at my guides, and I go, "I got it. You can stop now. I got yeah, it." Exactly, I'm good. And, <laughs> and it was so funny because I went from breakfast to the the silent meditation pool, and I was just sitting there with tears just streaming down, and I was just being with my sadness, and because you know my. Just for those of you who don 't know, my mother was military, so I was always the new kid, and so I always felt unwelcome and you know all of that. But I was just being with that sadness right, and this man walks up up to me completely unbidden, and he says, "I can see your processing. Would you like to be floated and held while you 're doing it and I was like, "Oh my god, yes <laughs> thank <laughs> you and he he just it was such a beautiful experience where he just held me in my in my process, right? And I just, you know, just floated me on the water as I just cried and and felt lonely and forlorn. Right. Um, And then I, and then I was being held. I was feeling welcomed for the first time ever in that space because I finally got the message. So that was a waking dream moment. Mm -hmm. This is what I'm talking about when we talk about the waking dream is that the things that we are experiencing in our day-to-day lives are relevant Every single thing is relevant, which is why it's so hard. It's so much harder today than it was 20 years ago to do this work because we are so entrenched in our phones that we are missing our lives. And because we're not conscious and engaged in our environments, we're missing the messages.
1: So the filters are amplified by the electronics and things that are distracting us from catching what's mm. getting through.
0: The filters are what we're allowing through. So it's not exactly an accurate statement. So um, not the
1: filters no, aren't amplified, but the, no, what is getting through filters is blocked.
0: Yeah, the distractions are amplified by by our phones, by our technology, by our need to multi-screen, right? Mm -hmm. You are not multitasking. You are distracting the crap out of yourself. And, And that's the challenge, right? Is that we need to put down our technology and really start to pay attention to what's going on around us because that's where the real aha moments happen. What we experience is a reflection of what's going on for us.
1: When we talk about the waking dream, we're not really talking about being asleep. We're talking about being aware in, in our awakeness. Yes. This has been kind of, not even kind of, extremely enlightening. This is such an interesting thing. And I know for myself, and I'm sure other listeners who are listening in are going to be the same way, that this is going to be something that I'm more cognizant of as I go through my daily life, is trying to pull back and recognize what is getting through my filters and trying to identify that in myself. We're out of time, but is there any sort of sum up that you want to give the listeners with regards to um, the waking dream?
0: So I don't know that I want to sum it up, but I have one, one more thing I want to say, which is that if you have 10 people witness the same experience, and any police detective will tell you this, they will have 10 completely different descriptions of what happened. Mm -hmm. And the reason for that is that they came from different perspectives. They noticed different things, different things made it through their filters. They made things mean things that, that may or may not have been true. And they told themselves a story about what happened rather than reporting what actually happened These sorts of things are what color our experience. So I want you to consider what your filters are as you're looking at your life and to notice that whatever your life is giving you, whatever the dominant theme of your life is, is a dominant story in your life. If you're not happy with that dominant theme, change the dominant story.
1: Boom. You have just been spirit doctored. (laughs) all right well that was awesome thank you so much and that's all that we have time for this week folks be sure to join us next time as kelly adds another chapter into your beginner's guide to energy magic and the spirit world i'm joey c here with kelly sparta and you have been listening to spirit sherpa so long everyone Bye.
0: each mile I over 13 000 now i leave behind a little
1: Home and
0: my love and my life and me. Are you waking up to the spiritual world and realizing that you have no idea what you're doing, but you feel like you kind of probably should, especially since you seem to be seeing things and feeling things and having things see you that maybe aren't so great? And that you might want to actually control your experience of that. Well, I have great news for you because our Welcome to the Woo program does just that for you. It teaches you how to hold your energy field, manage your energy field, clear your energy field, protect your energy field, and learn how to protect your space. And you learn how to do basic divination and talk to your guides so that you feel like you actually have a clue and have a way to talk to the guides that will help you to figure everything else out. And it teaches you how to make sure that you feel mentally, emotionally, and energetically safe. That means that we also deal with things like fear and anxiety and worry and dread and self-doubt and inner and outer judgments. And we help you build a foundation of self-support and courage. All of these things together create a solid sense of safety in your own life. They will reduce your stress levels in half guaranteed. So visit the website at kellysparta.com and find out more about the Welcome to the Woo program. Your future awaits.